Praise the Lord. And um, I, I just want to pray. Could we stand to our feet today? I just want to pray for my, uh, my dear friend, uh, you know, Dennis and Debbie Smith. They're um, dear friends of ours from Florida. And, uh, you know, he's been battling in his health. And uh, he needs a new pair of kidneys. And so, Lord, we pray right now for uh, Dennis, Lord. And we speak health over him. We speak life over him. And we thank you for new kidneys in Jesus' name. You said whatever you ask for when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. We thank you for a miracle in his body in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Well, you can remain standing. And we're going to read James chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, we're doing the second and last part of Count It All Joy. And um, if we can have it on the screen, we'll read it together. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You may be seated. Praise God. My brethren, count it all joy. He didn't say some or a lot, um, he said all, because God wants us to walk in joy every day that we live, amen? You know, the greatest advertisement for the Christian faith is joy, and um, because if you have joy, people will be drawn to you, but if you look like you just swallowed a fart, then, you know, people aren't going to be drawn to that, and, and too many times, you know, Christians behave like that. You know, the, the chosen frozen, you know, join the club. You know, come to Jesus. You need to get saved. You need to be, you need to be just like me. You know, misery on steroids. That's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to walk in joy because people are drawn to, listen, there's enough misery out there. People don't need any more. And so, again, that joy is so important. And, and, you know, this is one reason why many believers are discouraged, depressed, and defeated because they have lost their joy. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47. And it says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy, uh, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you will serve your enemies. And so it's important for us to understand that the Bible here is saying that you will serve the Lord with joy and gladness or you will serve your enemies. Because you will serve the Lord with joy or you will serve your enemies without it. Amen? Ultimately, you know what? I don't need to know how much you know. I just have to look at your face. Amen? Because if you have joy, you can't keep it inside. It's infectious. Amen? So when I pray with someone, I know if they've received by simply looking at their face. If they walk away sad or dejected uh, or burdened, or if they finish the prayer by saying, please keep praying for me, I know that person has received nothing. Amen. Nothing. Because you see, joy is an expression of your faith. Joy is the evidence of faith in your heart. And if you have no joy, you have no faith. If you have no joy, you will have no breakthrough. Amen? If you have no joy, like the Bible says, you have no strength. And this is why James tells us here in James 1 verse 2, count it all joy. This is why Paul the Apostle tells us to choose joy irrespective of the circumstances. Choose joy. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. And it says, finally my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So Paul was saying, I'm always telling you this, but rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Amazingly, Paul wrote this joyful, uplifting book from a stinking Roman prison. Amen? But yet, Paul had learned to access a joy that was not of this world. Because they could take his freedom, but they could not take his joy. And because they couldn't take his joy, they couldn't defeat him. They couldn't overcome him. Amen? Amen? So it's important. It's just like the old song we used to sing. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. This joy that I have, amen? Uh, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, you know, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. And so we see in Philippians chapter 1, here Paul, again, is writing from prison. 
And uh, Philippians 1 and verse 12, and he said, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have uh, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it's become evident to the whole palace guard and all the, uh, the rest of my chains are in Christ. So Paul was praying for the very man uh, that imprisoned him. And he said, you know what? God is working among them. They can see that God's hand is upon me. And it says, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so Paul was rejoicing, even though he was in prison, that others were becoming more bold and outspoken in their faith. Some indeed preach Christ uh, from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add uh, affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. And what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in, uh, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so, again, it's important for us to grasp what Paul is talking about. There's a children's room uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the chapel. So if the ushers could, please. Uh, this is a very important message. And I think it's important we're not distracted from it, okay? So again, let's open our hearts here. Uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's eyes were on heaven and not on earth. Where are your eyes right now in the middle of your storm? I think it's important that we grasp this because like I said, Paul's eyes were on heaven. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. If it was necessary for the early church, how much more is it necessary for us in the days that we're living in? And it's my prayer, uh, you know what, that you will learn to access this joy that, that, that comes from heaven, that we will learn to access this very same source and that you will be filled with joy like you've never known before. And again, so I appreciate the brave souls who came back after last Sunday to hear the second and closing part of this message. And so, again, let me just clarify with regards, uh, I, I know last week I was talking about marriage, and I said that uh, if you can't afford a, a big wedding, that is not the point. You can do a brave heart, uh, a, a very simple one. Uh, afterwards, I was thinking, probably some of you have never seen the film Braveheart before. Hands up who's never seen Braveheart? Okay, a lot of you. Well, essentially, these were dark times. And, you know, the lords in Scotland were taking, uh, you know, if a person got married, they would take their wife on, on, on the first night. And so it was a very dark uh, time. And so uh, this man chose to get married in the forest. It was just the two of them and the minister. And, uh, and, and so you might say, well, how, how does it go? Well, essentially, uh, you know, it goes like this. Do you take her to be your wife? I do. Do you take him to be your husband? I, I do. You don't seem very sure. I, I, no, no, no. I do. I do. He, he's the best I can do. Well, then by the, the power invested in me by God and the state of Las Vegas, I pronounce you man, I pronounce you mon, and wife. You know, my mother-in-law is Scottish. How, how, how did that go, Bad, really <laughs> You know, when I first met Jill 25 years ago, uh, nearly 30 years ago, uh, I came to her house for a barbecue, and Joanna, Joanna loved social events. I'm the complete opposite, you know, she's quite, Social, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't really like to see people. <laughs> Particularly on a Saturday, I just, I don't wanna, I, I prepare my heart for the message. And um, I do, I love people, but uh, in moderation. Um, <laughs> 
But I came there and Jill, Jill shows me a book of Kerryman jokes. You know, I'm from Kerry and she had a book of Kerryman jokes and they were belonged to her, Jill's mother. And so, uh, our mother-in-law, I can't remember which, yeah, well, her father had a book of Kerryman jokes over in Scotland that he used to read. They used to all sit around in a circle and read Kerryman jokes. And then, uh, when, when uh, Jill had, had the kids, she used to read them to the kids. They thought it was hilarious, laughing at Kerry people. And then, her daughter ended up marrying one. So, <laughs> you see, Kerry people always have the last laugh. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that was Braveheart. Um, but I think it's, it's it, you know, I dealt last week with Count it all joy in the midst of trials because at times life doesn't go according to plan. Because again, while you can't always choose your circumstances, you can always choose joy in them. Because again, joy uh, is so important uh, for us to walk in. You, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can choose joy in those circumstances in Jesus' name. Because joy is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it is a decision. We choose joy. And so last week we dealt with the first one, which is we find joy in the trials. And I just want to uh, deal with that a little bit before we go any further. Um, if you felt the message last week was a little depressing, you didn't listen well enough. You know, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And so Jesus said we would go through tests and trials, but he also promised us the victory in them. Sometimes I come from a faith background where people would deny all existence of problems. I, you know, they're, <coughs> are you sick? No, I'm not sick. <coughs> you are sick. Faith isn't the denial of what is, it's the declaration of what by faith can be. Okay, it's important to understand the distinction between the two. And so, anyway, we find joy in the trials. Yes, the end days will be challenging, Jesus said so, and if anybody tells you otherwise, they're either poorly informed are lying to you. But we believe that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ will happen uh, before things get too crazy, but still, we're gonna see some of these things coming to pass before our eyes in our lifetimes. Matthew 24 and eight in the New Living. But all this is the first of the birth pangs with more to come. The King James, all these are the beginning of sorrows. The message, this is nothing compared to what is coming. And so we have been warned. You know, the Bible, like I said, doesn't kind of sugarcoat everything. It gives you a clear picture that things will be challenging. And, and right now, just like pieces on a chessboard, we're seeing many of the things prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago literally being put into place before our very eyes. Amen? They're not hiding them anymore. And so any person with even average intelligence can see, uh, you know, that something is wrong. You know, the, the, the relentless undermining of national sovereignty and personal freedom. And both go, go together. I, it's interesting, I was watching um, uh, something, uh, it was a speech by Hitler, and um, you might say that's, that's kind of interesting, uh, private watching. Well, sometimes I think you can learn a lot from history, but one of the things he spoke about was uh, uh, that individual freedoms were only permissible um, uh, uh, you know, to the point whereby they didn't contradict with uh, uh, our, um, uh, the desire of the state. The state was absolute, and therefore everybody had to be subject to the state. And um, this, this is why, again, we're seeing parallels to our present uh, environment, and, and so this is not about being melodramatic, this is about simply looking at things um, in an honest manner and having discernment. Because like I said, we're looking at the relentless undermining of, of, of uh, national sovereignty in, uh, and, and personal freedom by global institutions like uh, George Soros Open uh, Society Foundation. I always think it's ironic he called it an open society. It's more about open borders. Because how many of you know, uh, the Bible speaks of a one world government, but before you can have a one world government, you have to have one world, whereby the very concept of the nation state disappears, where the concept of enforceable borders disappears, uh, so that you can have a, a one world uh, government. Uh, other organizations, the UN, WEF, WHO, Big Tech, Big Pharma, all of these are, it's almost like they're all on the same page. 
But, but yet, when we consider the sacrifices made by previous generations to ensure that we have freedom, and yet we see the continual encroachment of those very same freedoms by these groups and movements, whether it's in the name of climate change or in the name of you know, conquering a global virus, is very concerning. Because the Allies not only fought to liberate Poland and Belgium and Holland and France, they fought to liberate Germany. They liberated Germany from fascism. Think of the world that Hitler would have created had he been allowed. Uh, you know, the Irish probably wouldn't be here. Uh, you know, they weren't considered racially pure enough and they would, probably would have been wiped out. Because you see, I, what am I saying? What I'm saying is ideas matter, okay? Ideas matter. Uh, you know, just look at Germany post-war. I, I was watching, like I said, this video and it showed Munich. And it was, it was destroyed. There was thousands of people homeless because their, their homes were destroyed. And when you saw the German cities and the utter destruction, like I said, that, and, and the terrible poverty and, and suffering that the people endured, uh, you have to realize one man, one idea, and all of hell was unleashed in their nation and on the world at large. So again, and this is the amazing thing, the world is still waiting for one man. Jesus said so in John chapter five. Uh, John chapter five and verse uh, 43. I've come in my father's name, you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Who's that talking about? It's talking about the Antichrist. You know, that, that final leader that will be on the earth before Christ comes. So the Bible warns us that the man of sin will be revealed in the end days. So understand that as challenging as it might have been last week, as we consider the trials of the end days, you can rest assured that it will be far, far worse for those who don't know the Lord and are left behind to suffer and die in those chaotic and dark times. But this is the good news. We won't be here. Praise the Lord. We won't be here. And in this, we can rejoice because God always keeps his people. You know, uh, the angel said to Lot, I can't do anything here with regards to Sodom until you are taken out of here. You see, God protects his people. Amen. First uh, Corinthians uh, 15 and verse 50 says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. Amen? So, you know, the Bible talks about how in just one moment, the twinkling of an eye, we will be gone. And so, we are seeing um, all of these signs around us. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 1 to 3, how is it that you cannot tell the signs of the times? And, and I'll be honest, as a pastor, I, I look at many people and I think, God, when are people going to wake up? When are people going to wake up to the times they're in? Yeah, it's a sunny day, we choose the beach. But you know what, you can miss a message from God. You can miss a message from God. Oh, I'm, I, 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 said, I had a busy week, I'm just gonna stay in bed. You know, it's like somebody said to me last week that they were here for the first time, they'd been watching for online for quite some time. They said, you know what, it's like the difference between watching a match on TV and being there physically. It's completely different. You know, so don't buy into this lie that watching on a screen is the same. It's not. There is an anointing that comes when God's people gather. Amen? So anyway, um, Jesus said, can you, sell, can you not see the signs of the times? Let me quickly go through a few and then we'll go on with the rest of the message. I promise it's going to get better, but I just need to deal with some things. Firstly, signs of the times, food or famine. We're seeing globally national governments um, forcing farmers to cull their herds and to reduce uh, the use of, of fertilizer in order to satisfy their climate change goals. Or rather, is it to satisfy the climate change gods? Because in some ways, the whole climate change movement inspires and demands a, a cult-like devotion to the cause. Another sign is deception. Churches and ministers embracing a false gospel that rejects God and uh, God's order regarding marriage, sexuality, and gender, and that very same ideology being propagated through the media and in our schools. And you might say, Pastor John, you're not very loving. Are, are you concerned that you're going to be portrayed as homophobic or a bigot or anything like this? Let me tell you something. The time is going to come when we will be there at the judgment seat, there, the great white throne judgment, and we will see individuals thrown into a burning fire for eternity. At that stage, ask me, was I frank enough or not? 
So I'm not worried what people think about me or whether they judge me or whether they label me. I'm telling you, I address these issues because I love people and I don't want people to go to hell. And it might be politically incorrect, but people will go to hell because of sin. That's why as the church, we've got to stop playing games. Deception. Another one is cash. After thousands of years, we are the generation that are finally going to see the abolition of cash. I doubt it's going to be around for another three or four years, and maybe sooner than that, but this is the reality. A cashless society is a prerequisite for the arrival of the Antichrist and his ignominious reign. Revelation chapter 13. He causes all, but small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their forehead, that no one may buy or sell, except the one who is the mark or the name of the beast and the number of his name. Here's wisdom, let him who is understand, uh, calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man, his number is 666. That's the uh, speaking of the reign of the Antichrist. You see, in a cashless money system, the government have complete knowledge of every transaction, and it gives them huge control over the population because knowledge is power. Okay, your access to society can be literally turned off in just one moment with the switch of a button, amen? In just one moment, or the swipe of a phone, um, thus enabling the government to exercise complete control over their citizens. So if you criticize government, or if you dare to question the narrative being pumped out through the mainstream media, there are some of us who will never trust a journalist again after the last two years. They lie to the people. It's a fact. But if you dare to question the narrative, or you, like I said, are deemed to be a, a troubling individual, you will be effectively shut out of society. You won't be able to buy or sell just like the Bible says, because cash will be phased out. I mean, have you, I know this, doesn't matter where you're from in this country right now, you have banks that are closing. And if they're not closing, they're just empty shells. You go in there, there's maybe one or two people, there's no tailors, there's just machines. Why? The push is on to go virtual. And so this, this is important for us to grasp, okay? Um, because this is the, uh, the interesting thing. COVID was very effective in acclimatizing people to operating in a virtual rather than a physical reality. Because in a physical reality, you have to have cash. But in a, a virtual reality, the electronic Transfer of cash is sufficient. You see, electronic money facilitates total control over society. You look at the Chinese credit score system, where if you don't play ball with the, if you don't go along with the communist government, you're not allowed to book a ticket for a train. You're not allowed to go certain places. We saw even in in in, in so-called democracies like Canada, where you know that little dictator Trudeau has, has been reigning with the last number of years. If you didn't have a vaccine, you weren't allowed to get on a train or a plane. The only recently, I think it was in June, uh, rescinded that order. So again, you, you can take as many vaccines as you want, I don't care, but you don't, you don't have the right to tell me what to do with my body. I think it was interesting that the very same people who said, my body, my choice, changed that to the point of your body, my choice. And I'm sorry, that is not a democratic society where you are forced or where they pass laws to make it so uncomfortable for you that you have to comply with their requests. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get very real this morning, so that's okay, but I think it's an important message to give. But this Chinese credit score system is a good indication as to where our society is steadily and stealthily moving towards, okay? And um, so uh, it's moving towards a type of neo-feudalism. Feudalism, um, without trying to get complicated, but I think it's important for us to grasp this, feudalism was the dominant um, a social system in the Middle Age uh, in medieval Europe. And, and so, uh, feudalism, the nobility had all of the land, and the ordinary people, the common folk or the serfs, they worked on land that they would never own. And so they were slaves uh, of sorts. And so this is why many Western countries have uh, stopped teaching history because, um, uh, you know, the, the, the reason why is this. Uh, they don't want you to know where you came from uh, so that you won't recognize that they are bringing you back there. 
Okay, because in the past, slavery was standard. A lot of feminists go on about the oppression of women, etc. You know, you look back, you know, before the, 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 the 20th century, most of the world didn't have the vote. I mean, democracy is still a very relatively new concept. And so, I think it's important for us to, to recognize. Uh, another one is the undermining of religious rights and freedoms. During COVID, millions of churches were closed uh, worldwide by government order, and um, here in Ireland they were closed for months at a time, and much of the church was silent. And um, all while people were, at the same time as this, when the churches were closed, people were going back into addiction, they were suffering domestic abuse, they were suffering with despair, depression, uh, 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 going back, like I said, into addiction, all of these things, and you might say, well, the government knows best. Well, do they? The government have all the power after all. Well, do they? Uh, or pastor, you have to submit to the authorities. That's what the Bible says. Yes, to a point. We submit, absolutely. We, re but, we respectfully obey, but the time comes where we may have to respectfully disobey. And that line comes with faith and family. No government gets the right to tell me what I do with my family. No government tells me that I have to subjugate my beliefs, beliefs that the church has held sacred for thousands of years, to uh, surrender those beliefs to the new norm, to the new, uh, you know, uh, morality that is being uh, pushed, uh, particularly those that contradict what the word of God says. You see, the Antichrist spirit seeks to exalt itself above all that is called God. And, and this is what 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4 says, speaking of the Antichrist. It says, um, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits in God as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. It's the same spirit, same spirit the early church faced where they were told, offer this small in, uh, piece of incense and simply say Caesar is Lord and you walk free. And yet in their millions they laid their lives down because they would not they would not compromise, they would not subjugate their faith to that antichrist spirit, and it's the same way today. We will have to grow a backbone, many ministers are going to have to grow a backbone and start dealing with some very real issues that people are facing on a daily basis, okay? So uh, this, this is important, that, that, we, that we serve God, and you would say, well, pastor, you have to uh, submit to the authorities. Okay, but what about in Nazi Germany? where pastors were told that they had to Nazify their doctrine, where they had to um, close their church youth groups, that happened. All church youth groups were closed and all young people were sent to Hitler Youth where those children were brainwashed and you know, tragically in the final days of the war, you know, many of the gun batteries were operated by, by kids 11 and 12 years age. You know, there was one gun battery that received a direct hit and five or six kids were killed. They were 11, 12, 13 years of age. You know, when the Allies were coming into Germany, many of these little children had been so brainwashed that they were, they were uh, you know, attacking the soldiers and these soldiers were forced to kill these kids because they would not surrender. They had been radicalized. And so, again, let's not be naive um, uh, about these issues. These are very real issues. You might say, well, nobody's looking to make my kids go to Nazi youth. Well, there is agendas to indoctrinate our children. And you're dumb if you cannot see that. You know, when you see, you know, uh, I used to love the Muppets when I was a little kid. You know, Muppet Babies, I was watching one program where Gonzo, and, you know, the, the, all the girls were wearing princess dresses and he said, I want to wear one. And he comes, uh, you know, Gonzo, uh, he's a little figure, he, he comes out wearing a dress and uh, you know, this cross dress and it's, it's normalized. And, and so this is very dark because it's about changing the way people think, okay? Um, you might say, submit to the authorities. Uh, well, like I said, what about the, 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 the men and women who chose to look the other way as, as six million men and women, Jewish men and women, were murdered in cold blood? Do you know that one out of four of those who died in the Holocaust were children? Over 1.5 million children were, were gassed. You know, I, I follow the, the, the Auschwitz Museum and you know, every day they show a picture of, of a little child who was, some of them, one or two or three or four years of age. That was a demonic spirit from hell that was unleashed at that time. You see, if we're not careful, out of a sincere desire to submit to the authorities, we can end up being found guilty of idolatry. 
Do you know that both Judaism and Christianity simply define idolatry as, uh, praise God, where am I? Uh, in Jesus' name. So they define idolatry as this, um, the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. You see, the word of God has to have preeminence above all things. That in all things he may have the preeminence. Does Jesus have the preeminence in your life? I believe the Bible pastor from cover to cover. Okay, but you're living with your boyfriend. I believe the, 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 the Bible from cover to cover, but you never support the gospel. You never share your faith with anybody. I'm just saying, it's gonna get kind of real this morning, but that's okay. So as to the question of government or God, whether it's regarding public worship or the right to protect our kids from uh, you know, a lot of the LGBT indoctrination, the Bible speaks very clearly, Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Oh, pastor, trust the science. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. That is where my trust is in. I trust in his word. Another sign of the times, the persecution of Israel. Do you know that Israel is God's timepiece? And so when we see the nations of the world rising up against Israel, it's a warning. Get ready. You know, Ezekiel 38 and verse 11. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'll go to a peaceful people who dwell safely. All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Verse 15, then you will come from your place from the far north and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so the nations may know me when I'm hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. We're seeing the nations of the world rising up. You know, this week over 1,100 rockets fired by Islamic Jihad at innocent civilians in Israel and yet silence from much of the world's media because I believe many of them are rabid anti-Semites. You see, people, time is running out. Romans 13 and 11, this is the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Ephesians 5.13, uh, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. It says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, Christ will give you light. Church, it's time to awaken, Jesus Christ is coming. And yet we don't have to be afraid, no matter what might happen, because God always keeps his people. You see, God uh, protected Noah from the flood. He took Lot from Sodom. He kept Israel in Goshen. And he didn't allow the angel of death to um, uh, you know, uh, go near the people of God. And you see, the blood still speaks over God's people. And you might say, well, Pastor John, why are you dealing with all of this? I cannot deal with joy without dealing with the real world that we are in. And so if you want to go to a church where you can just la, 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 keep your head in your ears, put your head in the sand, so be it. I can't do that, but I believe joy works in spite of where we are, in spite of what is going on. You see, God protects his people, and yet believing that doesn't justify us adopting a fatalistic attitude by saying, well, God is sovereign, and, and he's in control, therefore there is nothing that I need to do or nothing I can do. No, that is not true. We need to pray, and we need to push back against the darkness, and we need to push back against a lot of this insanity and say, you know what, I'm not buying into this. We need to rise up and declare to our generation that Jesus Christ lives. So last Sunday, I know there was a sobriety to what I was saying, but last Sunday I was speaking to you as a watchman on the wall, okay? And so I prayed that you'd ears to hear what the Lord was saying to his people at this time. And so I would encourage you to be prayerful about what you're hearing on a weekly basis. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and intercession. This is a season when we must pray. Jude 3, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. You see, we must continue to press in prayer because an escapist mentality has, is causing the church to retreat from arenas in which it needs to stand and shine in. Because we can surrender um, the future of our kids out of a mistaken belief that it doesn't really matter anyway, that we're helpless. Uh, it does. 
You see, the rapture isn't meant to be a cop-out from us making a difference in our society, okay? We are salt, we are light. Salt and light always affect their environment. Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 16. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away uh, some of your sons whom, uh, who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they will be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's happening right now in our generation. You know, men that are, you know, losing their masculinity. Women who are using, losing their femininity because they're being brainwashed by, by these radicals who are taking completely unbiblical concepts that are really ultimately just socialism. That's all it is. It's Marxism. Whatever way it manifests, you know, it's, it's ultimately Marxism that is, you know, brainwashing our kids. And here it said to, to Hezekiah, your sons shall be eunuchs. And uh, it says, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he said, will there not be peace and, uh, and truth at least in my days? You know, one thing I would say about the Ukraine, I haven't really commented on it, but one thing I would say is this, um, there was something very convicting about seeing so many Ukrainian men going back home to fight for their family and for their nation. I had to ask myself, will we see that in Western Europe? because so many of our men have been uh, emasculated. It's just a question. We pray for peace in the Ukraine. But verse 19 said this, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the message you give me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. As a pastor, I feel obligated to the beautiful little kids that I get to dedicate every other week. I believe we have a responsibility to ensure the baton of freedom is handed to them. We have a responsibility, amen, to do that. You know, I read Genesis 47 last week about that, you know, how the nation of Egypt slided into a really, uh, what ended up being a, 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 you know, a socialist dictatorship where, you know, all of the people, because of the famine, uh, ended up losing their property, losing their, 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 their crops, losing everything they had, and ending up becoming slaves of Pharaoh. And uh, I, that's Genesis 47, 13 to 20. Um, I don't have time to go there, but it shows how quickly things can change in a free society. Do you know that Iran was once free? Um, today, those people live under an Islamic dictatorship. Do you know that Turkey and Iraq and, and Syria, they were the cradle of Christianity. Today, in many of those nations, particularly in Turkey, Christianity, uh, North, North Africa, again, the cradle of Christianity. Many of those nations today, Christianity is virtually non-existent. You see, we can't make assumptions about the future. The enemy has a strategy, he has an agenda to enslave mankind. And just like Genesis 47 shows us, uh, you know, an emergency is declared and suddenly people accept things they would never have imagined before. And in the same way, we're being told there's a climate emergency. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a global health emergency. And we have to make radical changes with no time for discussion or debate. Be very wary of people who are in a hurry to consolidate power. But we will burn uh, unless we raise taxes. Let me say, you will burn if you don't have Jesus. Okay? Uh, uh, there's no time to waste. We'll be extinct by 2030. We will be slaves by 2030 if we don't start to push back and ask some intelligent questions. Because cults hate people who ask questions. They hate people who think. And that's why, you know, uh, but you might say, but pastor, there are fires. Is there any possibility that some of this is deliberate? Yeah. You know, that some of those fires are being started to support a narrative or an agenda. But we have a drought in Europe. Yes, we've had them before. Amen. I mean, look at history. I mean, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, we, we, we've had them before, but, but maybe, maybe what is happening has more to do with the way we live than with what we eat or what we drive, okay? Maybe the answer to the weather isn't taxation or communism. Maybe the answer is repentance. I believe it's time to call our nations to repent. 
Do you know the EU constitution doesn't even mention God? It doesn't mention the Christian roots of Europe. You know, we live as if God doesn't exist. We don't give him the honor that he alone deserves as God, and then we wonder why everything is, is falling apart in our nations. We exclude God, and then we wonder why things are going wrong, why things are a mess. Let me say this, the answer isn't conservation, it's regeneration. Regenerated hearts and regenerated homes are the answer to the problems, and that is where real and lasting changes starts. But much of this, Climate change hysteria is, uh, you know, more about manipulation than conservation. You know, it, uh, study history and you'll see it's always been about money and power. And suddenly we think all of our leaders have such noble uh, motives. Well, I'm not that naive. You know, we've had high summer temperatures like this before. But now the, the weatherman feels obliged to put it in bright red. Do you know, the, you look 20 years ago, very same temperatures, even higher, and they just had it, you know, in yellow or, or orange, but now you have to have it in red, you know, because we're burning up, you know? And, and this, is, this is the problem, okay? Because it's the new norm, and the reason why this is happening is you are being trained, okay? You're trained to be timid, fearful, weak, and utterly stupid, Act like a child and expect the government to do all of the thinking for you so that you do what you're told. So when they say, believe the science, what they actually mean is don't think or ask questions. See, clearly, COVID was about a virus and that virus was fear. As a pastor, I saw many, many believers surrendering to that fear. Fear took a hold of them. It was about the preparation of society for a new norm, a life without freedom, because it was about the gradual normalization of slavery under the new norm of socialism. Because you don't put a frog into boiling water, you just put him into cold water, let him swim around, and then you slowly you know, put the heat up, and he doesn't even notice that he's being killed. And so this message is about awakening. Some of you might prefer to continue to sleep. But for the sake of our children and our children's children, I believe we need to wake up, we need to look up, and we need to speak up. And let's not be like Hezekiah, who willingly surrendered the, the future of his, of his children and children's children. We can surrender the future of our children simply because we're too lazy, we're too tired, or we're afraid to press back. We're afraid that people might, you know, label us this, that, or the other, okay? Because let me say this, it's not about a dairy herd and it's not about beef. First they came for the cows. Once they take the beef, then they will be back for, uh, they'll find another reason to eliminate lamb and pork and chicken. You'll only see them in a zoo. You know, I went to the Dublin Zoo the last day. They had a dairy cow there. For somebody coming from the country, that just seemed so weird. You know, they had a cow. But you're not, you will only see these animals in a zoo. And on the menu at Davos, of course, because it's only the little people who have to make these sacrifices. You see, no doubt these are challenging times. But faith and freedom is worth fighting for. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to us. But rejoice, insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when he will, will be revealed, you can be glad with exceeding joy. You see, even in the trials, we can have joy because we know that victory is ours. And this is why it's not just about counting a joy in the trials, it's counting a joy in the process. Job 23 and 10. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. You see, that's the second point, the process. There's a process to smelting gold, and it always involves heat. Just give me 10 minutes, I'll be finished. Come on, it's Sunday, where are you going? What have you got to do? Is this helping anybody? Okay, good. Uh, we count the joy in the trials, we count the joy in the process. There is a process to smelting gold and it always involves extreme heat and pressure. The gold has to be tempted, has to be heated to a temperature of over 1,046 degrees Celsius. 2,150 degrees Fahrenheit, in fact. You see, God is refining his church and it is not comfortable. The process may be painful, but we can be joyful knowing that God is working even in the darkest of situations because we can be joyful knowing God is working. Philippians 2.13, it's God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So don't 
Quit, child of God, God is working. You can overcome that habit, you can find healing for your, 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 your body, you can you see God's deliverance in, your, in the life of your children, you know, you can find peace for your mind and for your marriage, you can get out of debt, you can defeat that enemy, whatever it is, but you must persist in the process. And that's why as a pastor it frustrates me that you know, people are here one week, you don't see them for another two weeks. I know you feel my pain, pastor. Because you know there's, there's, there's a process. And if you take that gold out of the process, it's not going to be purified. It's not going to be prepared, okay? And so we must persist in the process. Maybe you're not where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. See, there's a divine process whereby the master is making a masterpiece out of your life. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we may do the good works that he prepared for us long ago. So don't get discouraged because the Lord is still working on all of us. And he's gonna do something beautiful in your life. Just believe it, just receive it, and expect it in Jesus' name. Psalm 13, verse five. His anger lasts only a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? So again, joy is on the way, and this is why at times we may struggle, at times we may weep, but we don't ever quit. You know, we lost Jackie during COVID, a wonderful woman from uh, Bangor in Northern Ireland. She had been such a blessing to Joanna and myself. When she came to the church, she started taking over so many different ministries. My wife was just burnt out at the time. And within weeks, Jackie was leading the children's ministry. She was our admin. She was Pastor Joanna's PA. She was leading the homeless ministry. She was ministering to so many different people in so many different ways. She was our accountant. Um, she touched so many lives. She helped so many people. And at the same time as she had COVID, I was very sick. I was in bed for about five or six weeks. And, um, you know, I believe the enemy wanted to kill me as well. But you know what? He failed. You know, Jackie, Jackie graduated to heaven. And um, I, I miss her terribly, as do many of you. Uh, you know, she touched our lives. But you know what? I came out of that time with a deeper faith and with a greater confidence in God and with a new understanding and awareness of God's presence. You see, what the enemy means for evil, God will turn to your good. Genesis 15 verse 20 says, uh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so when the enemy tries to curse you, God will bless you. And I love this quote, D.L. Moody. The Lord gives uh, his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. And this is why if you have lost your joy, you need to check yourself. If you have no joy, I, I can see it in your face. If you have no joy, it's an indication you're not where you're meant to be with God. <laughs> Thank you for the silence of the lambs. You need to ask yourself, have you allowed yourself to get out of God's will? It might be unforgiveness or bitterness or deliberate disobedience or sin or allowing yourself to fall back into old habits, lifestyles, or associations. You see, you don't belong in that club. You don't belong with that group who mock God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know the reason why you're in church today and so many people aren't? You delight in God's word. And that has to change in the church before we will see revival. There has to be a delighting in the word of God. There's a process of sanctification and you have to persist in allowing God to work in you and on you. Don't be discouraged if you stumble, just thank God he's working on you. Rejoice in the process, Philippians 2.12. Wherefore my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed my presence, not much more my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 2 Timothy 2.21, if therefore a man will purge himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared for every good work. There is a process to becoming Christ-like. At times, it's painful, but all true and lasting change is. It might be painful at times, but it is worth it. You know, C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. We rejoice in the process because we realize that God is getting us ready for heaven and for home. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, 
And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Allow the Spirit of God to work in your heart, amen? And, and remember, rejoice in the process. You know, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, temperance, meekness, and self-control. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, but the very next one is joy. You know, both are vital parts of the process. We all know that we won't make it without love, but how many of you know you won't make it without joy? And yet, sadly, many believers have lost their joy. They're like Samson. They become grinders in the prison, just, just going through day by day, going through the motions, but they have lost their joy. Uh, well, oh, oh, pastor, it's so hard. It's so hard. Who told you that? I cast out that lying devil in the name of Jesus. Serving Jesus is not hard. Going to hell is hard. Living with depression and despair and devils operating in your life are hard. Amen. But don't buy into that lie that, that serving God is hard. Amen. Are you saved? Then tell your face. Give me five minutes and I'm finished. I don't really care that the message has gone on a little longer. It's an important message. It's an important message. And this message can change your life. Because if you get joy, that devil is going to take off running. We rejoice in the trials. We rejoice in the process. We rejoice in the promise. Have you ever had a memory from years ago rise up on the inside of you? And you feel guilt and shame. It might be years and years ago, and yet, in that moment, you feel the shame of, of what you did or where you went or who you were with or what happened. In vivid color with surround sound, you feel shame and condemnation. You see, the enemy of our souls loves to bring us back to reminisce on where we came from. You know why? He wants to bring us back. Hebrews 11 and 15, in the Catholic Bible, it says, if they'd been thinking of the land from which they had come, they would have had an opportunity to return. You see, he reminds you of your past because he wants to take you back there, amen? So when he reminds you of your past, whether that is five minutes ago or 50 years ago, you need to remind yourself of the promises of God. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Yes, but thank God that the, though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hebrews 10.17, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Remember that when you have a problem, there is a promise that will bring you truth. There is a promise. That's why I read the Bible, love the Bible, memorize the Bible. It is filled with beautiful promises that will bless your life and your family in Jesus' name. John 14, 22, our 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Church, it's time for us to step in to the greater works. Healing, deliverance, and revival. You know, a number of years ago, I stood by the bed of a friend of mine, and he was dying. And uh, I, I remember I saw fear in his eyes. Even though he was a man of God, I saw fear. And I started to read these promises. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has Everlasting life shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. John 5, 24. John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. John 11, 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I remember as I read those promises, I saw supernatural peace come on his face. I walked out to my wife and my kids who were waiting in the, in the car park in the hospital. And I said to her, I said, unless God does a miracle, he's not gonna make it. But I knew that he was now ready. I knew he was ready. You see, we don't have to be afraid of the past, the present, or the future. Hebrews 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed... We are righteous, we are redeemed, and we are ready. Ready for whatever might come. You don't have to question your salvation. You don't have to ask, have I done enough to be saved? You see, yes, we give God our best, but you know the reality is we don't get to heaven because we're good. We get to heaven because he is good. We get to heaven not because what we have done, but because what he did on the cross. Amen. This is why we rejoice. 
Just like the, the, the sinner on the cross where Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. We rejoice in the trials. We rejoice in the process. We rejoice in the promise. And give me two minutes. We rejoice in the Lord. Deuteronomy 16 and 15. For seven days you will keep the feast of the Lord at the place the Lord has chosen because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and the work of your hands and you will be altogether joyful. We are commanded to rejoice in the Lord. Paul said rejoice in the Lord always. He who began this good work is going to complete it in Jesus' name. Do you know George Whitfield said this, I was delivered from the burden that so heavily oppressed me. The spirit of mourning was taken from me and I knew not and I knew what it was to rejoice in God my Savior. Let me say this. As I finish, and as the worship group come forward, we are not the first generation, and we won't be the last to face tough times, to face battles. But you know what? Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. In his presence is fullness of joy. And so we can rejoice in the midst of whatever's going on or whatever's going wrong, because we believe that the best is yet to come. We believe that glory stands before every believer. We don't have to face de fear death. We don't have to fear life because Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to be with him forever. And this is why we choose joy. Isaiah 12 and 3, therefore with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. My final verse, Acts 20 verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my course with joy. You see, Jackie was faithfully by our side. I thought she was going to be with us for years. She helped carry the burden of ministry. You know, I never got to see her in the hospital because I was, you know, you weren't allowed in during that time and I was very sick myself. And I remember when Joanna woke me that morning, I was in bed, I'd been in bed, like I said, for, for, for weeks and weeks, and, uh, but she said, you know, we need to pray for Jackie. And I remember I went downstairs to my sitting room, and I started walking the floor like I've done for years and years and years. Early morning, I'd get up at four or five when my kids were little, I still get up early and I, I pray. And I started walking that floor interceding for her life. And I said, no, Lord, no. Because I just felt the Lord saying, this, this is it. And I said, no, Lord. And all I can describe to you is this. You may not believe this, but in that moment, the ceiling of my sitting room opened. And I saw Jackie. I saw she had such a big, beautiful smile. And I remember she, she looked down and she smiled at me and she had such joy on her face. And I knew in that moment, that she had gone on to glory. I went in, I stopped praying, I went into the kitchen and about five, 10 minutes later, I got the call saying that she had passed into eternity. I don't know why God took her so soon, but I know this, she finished her course with joy. And you know what? You will not finish your course without joy. It said that I'm, that I'm, Paul prayed that I may finish my course with joy. He didn't care if he was in prison. He didn't care if he was beheaded. He said, you know what? I just want to finish with joy. And, and all I can say is that, you know what? Some of you right now today, you're beaten down. You're discouraged. You're afraid. You've got all things going wrong in your life. Know this. You are loved. And that God wants to fill you with joy today. If you could stand to your feet in Jesus' name. God is going to fill you with joy. I know it was a lengthy message, but I'm not going to apologize for what God's word says. There's plenty of churches you can go to for a 10 minute message if that's what you want. That's not what I do. I have something to say and I will say it because it needs to be said, okay? So could you just take your eyes right now, just close your eyes for one moment. The Lord's in this place and he's gonna remove burdens. He's gonna break shackles. He's gonna break yokes in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Joanna, did you wanna say something? Yeah, no, I just, I just want to call, call up people who are just suffering with depression, specifically depression, because I just feel there's an anointing. You know, when the word is preached, the word is confirmed with signs and wonders. The word was preached on joy, so joy will follow. But there's people here in this room that you have just been so oppressed. You've been demonically oppressed. You've been tormented at night in your sleep. All these things just come up here this morning 
our prayer team are going to just lay hands on you and we just believe that today is the day for you to be set free Jesus came to set the captives free and so the reason that you're in captivity right now is because the devil is holding you there but who is more powerful is it the devil or is it God it's God so come forward this morning don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed like Pastor John said there is an anointing in this place and we have to respond to it and I might tag on to that anxiety because those two work hand in hand depression anxiety panic attacks it's panic attacks nightmares just no, come night forward terrors. now we want to pray with you and we are believing come on prayer team please let's just lay hands on these people and just receive it lift your hands up and expect change expect the joy expect what you're believing for this morning in the presence of God God is more than able it's us that limit him thank you Jesus if we could just pray play very softly so that the ministers the prayer team can hear thank you Jesus and the rest of you just stretch your hands towards these people if it was you up on this line you would want people agreeing with you so do it this morning come on and I bind all fear that would stop you from getting up here if you are meant to be here you know you're meant to be here get down here now if you really want to be free just forget about the person around you just come forward in Jesus name amen